It's the third Thursday of the month, and we're off the bricks and on the air. You're listening to a poetry podcast from Brick Street Poetry. Two Dimensions Once he was a soldier and excavated underground palaces for the president, thinking back to the night crawlers he used to catch, passing a light over their banded bodies as they sunned themselves in darkness. He'd wake up early and cast into the lake where bass were always waiting, when each day was a door. He swung his shovel, kicked up a choking dust. He cleaned his rifle every evening, crouched like a frog in the grass. The village was subsumed. He could barely see the blue temple beyond the cypress grove he walked through once. Welcome poets and poetry lovers. That reading was by Mark Neely, who is the author of Beasts of the Fields, Oberlin College Press 2012, and Dirty Bomb, Oberlin College Press 2015. His awards include an NEA Poetry Fellowship, an Indiana Individual Artist Grant, the Field Poetry Prize, and the Concrete Wolf Press Chapbook Award for four of a kind. His poems have appeared in Gulf Coast, Indiana Review, New England Review, Boulevard, Willow Spring, and elsewhere. He teaches at Ball State University and is a senior editor at River Teeth, a journal of nonfiction narrative. Mark, I'm so happy to have you here today. Now, that first poem that you, you read for us is called Two Dimensions, and it is in your new book, Ticker. I believe I'm catching a little bit that it's about your, your, your main character. I could be wrong about that, but I'm kind of intrigued with the, the title, Two Dimensions. Could you tell us a little bit about why this particular poem is called Two Dimensions? Yes, uh, first of all, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk to you about poetry. Um, this is about my main character. So the book Ticker has a main character that runs throughout named Bruce. And he is sort of, um, I mean, in some ways, he's sort of like an ordinary middle-aged guy who's like having trouble keeping up with the pace of the century. But also he's a bit of a shapeshifter. So sometimes he imagines himself in these other lives. So this is him remembering a time when either remembering or imagining a time when he was a soldier. And the title partly refers to kind of the two parts of the poem. One is about sort of his present uh, soldiering activities. And the other has to do with him thinking back to his childhood. But it also refers to the fact that if you could see this poem on the page, it's in two columns. And the way I read it just at the beginning of the program was I just read it straight down one column and straight down the other column. But it also can be read across the columns so that you read um, the first line of the first column, the first line of the second column, you know, as one line. So that, that kind of refers to both those things. Okay, well, it would be interesting if you read it to us, I think, the second way, so we can, we can hear that. Now, would you say it's kind of like a simultaneous poem, but, but it's the same, uh, Bruce is in both parts, no matter how you read it, is that, is that the correct? Yes, I would say so. Yeah. yeah he, he's, he's the child, he's the soldier, and he's sort of um, thinking about all these things at once, and I think reading it 
the second way that I'll read it sort of mixes up the sort of childhood parts and the um, adult parts in an interesting way, I thought. Yes. Okay. Well, that'd be interesting. Let us hear two dimensions read in the second way. Two dimensions. Once he was a soldier, he swung his shovel and excavated underground palaces, kicked up a choking dust for the president. He cleaned his rifle, thinking back every evening to the night crawlers he used to catch, crouched like a frog, passing a light over their banded bodies in the grass as they sunned themselves. The village was subsumed in darkness. He'd wake up early. He could barely see and cast into the lake, the blue temple where bass were always waiting beyond the cypress grove. When each day was a door, he walked through once. You know, that is the way I first read it. Uh, I read it the second way you read it. Uh, and I do think it is interesting. And I thought it was interesting at the time. Your character, your character is quite an interesting character too, uh, Mark. Uh, and and um, I guess having read some of these poems, I, I kind of better understand, uh, I better um, uh, understand the, um, the cover of your book, I think. Uh, when I first saw the cover of the book, I'm thinking to myself, what is, what, is the, what is this book going to be about? But you basically do have this character, Bruce, who, who runs through these poems. Uh, and we really should say you were shortlisted for the uh, Indiana Humanities uh, Best Book uh, Award this time around. Uh, and, you, and this book also uh, won the um, Idaho Prize for, for Poetry in, in 2020. Uh, we're kind of a little bit backed up on awards because of the whole 2020 and a lot of things not going as smoothly as they could. And, you know, one of the things in, in reading your stuff, I realized that, that we don't hear enough from you uh, here at Brick Street in, in all the ways that we are involved in poetry. Even though I've known you for a long time, and even though you and I have worked on a collaborative poem that's going to go to the moon, uh, was supposed to go this summer, but uh, it's going on a NASA flight, which now has been pushed back until, until December. Uh, but we're, again, we're really happy that you're here today and, and giving us the opportunity to, to, uh, to see your work in, in this book uh, that at first I thought, well, this is a, you know, this is a very different book. But also as I went back and looked at what has been said about Beast of the Hill and also Dirty Bomb, I think that people have written about your work before kind of agree with what the the judge in the Idaho contest contest says. He said ticker contains almost everything. And it, Beast of the Hill and, and Dirty Bomb were sort of the same way. You pack an awful lot into a poem, it, which seems to be part of your just kind of part of your style, I guess. And also interesting which we might move to the, have you read that's the second poem, uh, which is Subvocal Challenger. Um, why don't you read that one for us? Because I think that also gives us a picture of, of uh, everything that you pack into a poem. Yes, I'd love to. I'll say that um, most of the poems in this book are written in third person, but there's a handful that are spoken by in Bruce's own voice, and this is one of those. 
It's called Subvocal Challenger. Age of Achille Loro and Rainbow Warrior, of Mad Max and the Doddering Gipper, of plaid-clad women and mustachioed men tossing villains through plate glass, of Jan Hammer desperately seeking Susan, easy lover, of Gorbachev with his skull cracked open, age of sweetness and the refrigerator, age of I love it when a plan comes together, and the jittery schoolroom television where I watched the launch become a strange white praying mantis in the sky, obviously a major malfunction. It was happiness taunting the three-fingered girl who moused along the playground fence. It was life when her brothers, thick-tongued and rough as the broken sidewalk, came hulking from an alley to kick my skinny ribs in. The bruising was an unexpected pleasure. I must have dreamed the rocket boosters corkscrewing away. Who could have known days later I'd be smoking Winston's in an abandoned mansion as girls step through windows in Brooke Shields jeans, dust floating in the sunlight like our nebulous desires. Who could have imagined all the stupid years to come, the wreckage falling toward the ocean, surface of the suffocating dark. Now you have another subvocal, correct? In the yes, book. The, the the poems that Bruce speaks himself are all called are all called followed by uh, something. Yes. yes, yes, all called uh, subvocals. Uh, and and you do have that that talent of of tying all of these things uh, that have happened in in our world uh, into and marrying them with your character. Um, the fact that you have this character, I'm kind of interested because you you are both a poet and a, um, a, a, a fiction writer, correct? Am I right about that? Uh, narrative, you do narrative, you, yeah. Um, uh, so, because I think you teach, don't you teach both? Um, I do sometimes teach fiction. I'm not much of a fiction writer, but I have okay. kind of an interesting um, job as a nonfiction editor for River Teeth. And so I'm, you know, I, I, I edit nonfiction, I teach nonfiction poetry and, and fiction, okay. and uh, mostly write poetry, but try to dabble in some other things. But you kind of have married, so you've sort of married the fiction and the nonfiction here, though, because you've got, you've got all this nonfiction from the standpoint of history and things that are happening. But, but if you know you've got this wonderful fictional character who runs through all of this um so i i you know it it just seemed like an an interesting marriage of uh you know different approaches to writing to me uh the the, the way you i mean some people are just all one way or the other but you really seem to have quite a mix in there oh yeah thank you for saying that that that's definitely one of my goals writing this book and i think that uh, idea of fiction is really important because one of the reasons I chose to write about this character as opposed to writing, you know, poems that were sort of designed to be in my own voice is because it, it allowed me to use my imagination. It allowed me to explore some, some subjects that would have maybe been uncomfortable, you know, if I was writing from uh, first person sort of eye perspective. Mm -hmm. So uh, it really freed me up to do a 
lot of things. I, you know, I've never had a project like this before, so it, it was very interesting. I think it is terribly interesting. And um, Ted Kuzer was one who always used to sort of say, when you put too much attention on the eye, you're sort of getting in the way of your your story. You're sort of getting away in, uh, sometimes in what you're trying to get across to people uh, if the eye is too prominent. And of course, um, uh, in your lifetime, and well, at least in my lifetime, we've come through a lot of, of poetry that is very, very focused on I, 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 I. So uh, I think your, you, you know, your development of this fictional character and your ability to express some of your feelings through that character and also bring in, again, as I said, a, a nonfiction kind of uh, approach in kind of documenting um you know what what was happening in the world during your life uh and in this case your your fictional character's life too um so yeah he he i i thought he was i thought it was very very interesting um okay um how about uh reading another poem for us uh oof is that the way we say it Sure. Yes, that's the way I say it. Um, okay. Yeah, this this poem is um, just very slightly inspired by a painting called Oof by Ed Ruscha, who's a, an artist who sort of paints a lot of words on canvas. And I saw that painting and I just, I like that word oof. So I, I mm -hmm. titled the poem that. This is Oof. A flurry of marriages, births, then pause the generation wringing itself out. Welcome to the long trough of middle age where our hero flinches as he bends to tie a shoe. Annie says, you know you're getting old if you pull yourself from the car with an involuntary oof. Bruce makes such noises all the live long day, an orchestra of grunts and rumbles led by a sadist with a bent baton. He looks wrong, smells wrong, his various crannies acrid as mythical swamps. There must be a cereal or miracle fruit somewhere. But what have we here? A tattooed crimson lip checker hidden among the usual pensioners, weighing pairs between blue fingernails. Bruce veers into her aisle. She rings him through, zipping veggies and vitamins across the scanner beam with the cheerful efficiency of the young. Have a nice day, she says, then catches his delinquent glance and adds a cruel sir and a pitiless smirk. Poor Bruce, he isn't sure what happened. Gone from suitor to lecher in a wink. And really, he's no dirtier than before. Just old, just older. I really like this poem, Mark. I mean, I, I both chuckled uh, at at Bruce's situation and also certainly felt sorry for him. Now, you're you're not old enough to be oofing, but it's very interesting also to me that you you got this um you know, we we all age, so I guess we all you know, come to some realization that we're that that we're maybe there's a there've been a lot of things that have happened in our life right there's a lot of our life that's behind us and and maybe we're we're wondering if we're not too far along uh we're wondering what the rest of it's going to be like uh 
so so it, it just it it's just really a, a very a very fast fascinating poem um yeah and so it it's also interesting that you took it from this picture tell us a little bit about the picture too that was called oof sure. and, and and where did you how did this um at what point in this whole process of writing the book did the did the oof um you know poem come into it yeah so this uh the 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 painting is called oof is just it's very simple um ed ruche is known for like a very minimalist style so i believe it's like a kind of a blue background and then yellow yellow letters all bolded that say oof capital letters ah, so it's very simple oh, okay got it got it and thank it, you it, I, i'm kind of always been interested in those minimalist um mm -hmm. visual minimal minimalist visual art i i'm my poetry is definitely not minimalist but yeah that's so interesting like, isn't it yes that you're you're not a minimalist minimalist but obviously your art taste is mm -hmm. yeah and um so it really was just the word that i was drawn to and then it this was one of the earliest poems i think i wrote in the book um and it is about I mean, a lot of the book is about middle age and how, like you were saying, you, you know, certain pathways sort of shut down and new pathways open up in your life. And I was thinking about my own life and, um, you know, my kids, I just dropped my daughter off at college. So she was probably in you know high school when I was writing this and having your kids grow up and, and you know, growing older where you, you work in the yard for a day and you start to feel various aches and pains and make involuntary oofs occasionally <laughs> so yeah it, it it was an early poem and i think it helped me sort of get to know bruce and i think of bruce as you know in some ways he has a lot of similarities with me but also he's a little bit grumpier and a little bit um maybe even a little bit older mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. way i picture him yeah, well, he 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 was definitely that for me too. You, I don't see you as a grumpy person at all. <laughs> well, thank you. You you you're always a delight. So so I didn't I didn't see in in a lot of ways I didn't see you in in Bruce because I don't see you as a grumpy person, and and you're not as old as you as you painted bruce you know as you constructed bruce you're 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 not that old so you're you're not experiencing i don't believe you're experiencing the kind of thing that bruce is experiencing exactly but 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 we do sometimes come to that you know thought in life about examining you know the past and 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 you know maybe wondering wondering about the future a little bit and as you said maybe maybe having changes that come about in life there there are oftentimes things that take us off we've been on a path and something takes us on a, on a different path uh you you've made bruce a very interesting character i think uh and, and as i said you know kind of mixed because he's it's it's humorous and at the same in at the same time uh you know i feel sorry for bruce uh with, the, with his although i i chuckle about his problem my problems i i feel sorry for him so yeah okay well if um did you have any others i think those were the ones that you and i had talked about you reading today but did, did we have did you have any others that you would want to share from from that book or um or any other uh of your 
poetry that you would want to share with us today? Uh, let me read the poem curriculum from. Ticker. Oh, yes, that's good. That's a good idea. Thank you. I'm um, thank you. Good. And I, I can talk a little bit after I read about how how I sort of envision this poem and put it together. So this yes. is this is curriculum. Remember how we won the West by dressing the horses in women's clothes and ferrying a herd of elephants across the Rhone. How Bruce snuck into Annie's room, unspooling a length of orange thread. How they clung to the fallen hero's body, were dragged aboard the flaming ships and sailed away. How riotous we were when Bruce refused the crown. How we crowded around the radio when he spun tales of childhood folly and all the women wore the dresses Annie wore, and the White House was, was a sort of palace, Bruce strolling pensive and helmetless on the perfect lawn. Remember Annie crawling over the back seat, trying to put him back together? How he slumped inside the horse, breathing the hot stink of a soldier's breath, while our enemies did the rough work, cursing, shouting orders of dragging the giant creature through the breach. And Bruce leapt from a secret door, tore off his moldering clothes, and began his famous speech as the sun drove its cattle over the ruined wall. And Annie lay in a dusty tent, dreaming of Paris's special talent. Yes, great. I'm glad you didn't let me forget that one, because that, again, I think highlights your great imagination in that poem. Uh, and uh, is yeah, tell us a little bit about it, though. I, I, I don't know that I understand it quite as well as I, because I there there is a lot of imagination I think in that poem, uh, and you know how you got Bruce and 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 we don't know but much about Annie. Tell us a little bit about Annie too. That would be good. Sure. So yes, Annie is Bruce's wife, um, and she is, uh, you know, interesting, powerful. Um, supportive character and she sort of in, in in another poem i say she holds bruce's melancholy um so she she takes a lot of the weight of some of the some of bruce's suffering in in some unfair ways and some loving ways so i think she's a, she's a great character i love annie but this poem i was sort of thinking about how we learn like sort of history in you know, grade school, middle school, high school, and our heads get full of all these bits and pieces and fragments of history. But, you know, most of it we forget. So we end up with sort of these like fragments that all blur together. And I, I also was thinking about Bruce as this sort of slippery character that like moves in and out throughout history. So in this one, he sort of takes on all these different roles, um, early on it's like Greek and Roman myths and things like that and then it moves forward in in time so it says how riotous we were when Bruce refused the crown and I was thinking of George Washington you know when they tried to make him king he, mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. refused um, and then it moves forward to the Kennedys um, and then comes back full circle at the end with the myth of the Trojan horse so it's sort of like a lot of these poems are concerned with history, but it's it's almost like the way we consume history um, and sort of once it gets this fragmented, it's it's very hard to process and put together. So 
I really enjoyed writing this and I, I, I always enjoy reading it because I, I get all these images of these moments in history in my head and it's sort of interesting experience. Yeah, you know, I should be better at this than I am. I, 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 I do not have the imagination that you do. You, you just have a wonderful imagination. And as you say, the way you weave it, weave it through history. Um, since I have, since I have a degree in history, I, I should write more poetry about history, I guess, because obviously you, but obviously you're making it very entertaining. Uh, and, and again, putting all that imagination into it. So the, these poems are just kind of, they're very delightful to read. Even though, like I said, sometimes I'm very sad for Bruce and, 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 and gosh, I, I start worrying about the guy, you know, I mean, so uh, you, you let us, you let us laugh at him, but also have empathy, I think, for him. So I, I think that's, that's kind, kind of a neat thing. And I'm, I'm glad you told us a little bit about Annie, um, because she is an important character in, in, in your story, isn't she? She's important to Bruce and therefore important to the story. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I liked what you said early on about how, I guess one of my goals for this book was to put every, you know, nearly every aspect of life into it. I wanted mm -hmm. to have work. I wanted to have marriage, love, um, children, politics, you know, everything. And obviously history and, and personal history, because mm -hmm. I, I feel like, I'm trying to catch something that's very difficult to catch, which is how complex we are and how complex our memories are. And sometimes they work well, and sometimes we work well as human beings, and sometimes we sort of fragment out and break down. And, and I sort of was trying to catch both of those things at once. So I, I, yeah, I, I appreciate that reading of these. Now, I think you did a a marvelous job of that mark because as you said there gosh when you think of everything that gets packed in our brains from the time we're born uh to the time we leave this earth there, there's just uh, an immense amount of stuff in there coming at us from lots of different ways yeah i would agree with that and i i, I definitely um i was definitely thinking about technology also when i wrote this book i mean i i think an interesting thing about my generation is like when I was a child, we had a TV that had like three and a half channels if you got the antenna to work just right. Yes. And so there was very little um, sort of visual video type media in the world. And now, of course, I have my, you know, I can access one billion different things on my phone or you know my computer or any device so i i think it's an interesting thing about my generation that we we grew up in one world and sort of found ourselves in, in another and we weren't too old to kind of pick up that technology pretty well but we still are i mean i still have the feeling that i'm constantly behind when it comes to technology which i think is sort of the state of the world i guess yeah, because it moves so fast. It's it's a feeling, you know, you've you've tapped into some feelings I think that a good amount of the of the population feels uh today. Um well tell us tell us where they might buy uh ticker. Um tell us um you know, or or beast of the field or or, or dirty bomb. Uh, again, the comments I saw about those are ones that that basically are saying um, the way, again, I think you really 
pack contemporary America into into your poetry, into what you're doing, uh, which is which is very interesting. But where, where might where might our listeners be able to access your books, your poetry? Give us a give us some information for our listeners. Sure. Um, I'll tell you that if you wanted to get a signed copy of Ticker or either of my other books, you can go to my website, markneely.com. Oh, and good. There's a, there's okay. a PayPal button there. Um, of course, it's a, a great way to get it is to go to your local bookstore if you have a local bookstore and they seem to be popping up, um, sort of making a comeback and ask your bookseller to order it. It's also available on all the major online booksellers, including bookshop.com. So um, yeah, it it's, should be widely available. And, you know, I would love to hear from anyone who reads it and has thoughts about it. You can always shoot, find me online and shoot me an email or a Facebook message or something. Thank you so much for being with us today. We, we really are happy to have you here. And you are going to be, you are going to be at another Brick Street activity in, in November. You're going to be at Poetry on Brick Street uh, uh, to read in November. So our listeners that would be in the Zionsville area the first Thursday of the month at seven o'clock in November should come to the Sullivan Months um, Cultural Center in Zionsville. It's right behind the Dairy Queen and here you read. That would be wonderful. We'd, we'd love to see people. Thank you so much for having me, and um, thanks for all you do for poetry, and I'm, I'm very excited for that reading. I love poetry on Brick Street, so looking forward to be back. Time to pause for a natural moment with a bit of poetry focusing on our non-human world. Today's natural moment poem is Cardinals by Marjorie Wentworth. Leaves move silently outside my window fist-sized cardinals zigzag between branches beyond the wall of oak and sumac the blue ridge mountains ripple and ascend crows call out sharply to one another someone somewhere must be crying this program would not have been possible without the help of our creators and creatives our signature music is composed and performed by iona wagner generous supporters of off the bricks include indiana humanities the arts council of indianapolis and the city of indianapolis we release new episodes of Off the Bricks on the third Thursday of each month, so keep an ear out for us. Thank you for joining us, poets and poetry lovers. Good poetry enriches our day and enlightens us about ourselves and the world. Join us again the third Thursday of the month as we bring you poetry Off the Bricks. 